Hey everybody, welcome to Fabulous. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Taylor. And I'm Shannon Payne. And welcome to our first episode. This one's going to be good. It's about the great circle. And ley lines. It's a little mystical. It's a little magical. It's going to be great. You guys, I hope you have a good listen. So, did I tell you why I wanted to talk about the great circle? Tell me your story. Liz, <laughs> tell me a story. I saw a TikTok. Okay. Came up on my For You page. I'm young and hip. I don't know what that is. I love it. I'll tell you what his name is. It is Phantom Universe. Oh. And I have to... Small disclaimer. Okay. I have not looked into this man's life. So if he turns out to be a hateful person, I really hope he's that's not my bag. dad, and I'm really sorry. Okay. He could be. He could be a shitbag. And they all could be. It's out there. Um, so please ignore that part. But <laughs> I should give credit to Phantom Universe. He's a straight up nutter on the internet because he's so hardcore into this theory that he's done all the math and has several different TikToks about the whole, like how everybody's figured it out. And and when I looked it up, I went to a website where, I mean, Phantom Universe's twin brother, obviously, was the one writing the paper and he goes fucking deep. (laughs) The math, I, I had to read very slowly. Like it was real math. It was, Who the fuck gets that yeah. into it that you're just like, let me write out some equations here it and figure out. For real. Oh my god. And I was like, am I going to need somebody to explain this to me? But through context clues and some nice pictures, I was able to figure it Thank out. God for pictures. <laughs> um, and so we started looking into more of it. And um, it's not as beautiful as I wanted it to be, but it is interesting. I mean, I love interesting. And my favorite part of it, um, I'll kind of skip to the end, then I'll do it, and then we'll go back to the end, is about um, the golden ratio, the golden section. Did you ever take like a interior design class or anything where they talk about that? I wish. No. So um, it's supposed to be, it's a natural ratio that's found in all different parts of the world and different in people's faces. Um I think it's, it's related closely like, you know, the naturally occurring Fibonacci sequence. It's like the spiral in flowers. Oh, yeah. And stuff yes. like that. It's very similar to that. It's just found in nature. And um, it's kind of, it has exact numbers, but the way that it was explained to me in interior design or in um, like my, what is that called? Like makeup artistry is um, like two thirds. So everybody's face is two thirds from your like bottom of your nose up. And then a third is like from the bottom of your nose to your chin. Um, And we just, we find that ratio really pleasing and it occurs naturally all throughout the world. So if you are trying to balance the design in your room and you have a really heavy couch, then you're going to want to like find that kind of ratio in your space. So you have the really heavy couch here. And so you'll want a half size chair over here. Oh, okay. And then together they make this balanced ratio that your heart just knows is right. Yes. And it's just really common. So, um, with this great circle, it kind of sums up in that. So let me tell you what a great circle is first. A great circle is a line that... It's like the biggest circle you can draw like around a sphere. So the equator, if you sliced through the earth, is a great circle because it divides the earth into two equal pieces. Yeah. So when they have flight plans, 
that go across really far distances instead of going like straight across because it's a geodesic globe like the, the earth is in three dimensions they fly in great circles so they'll go um, like over the north pole or whatever to make that because it ends up being the shortest distance okay Even that makes sense it looks crazy from like a flat map from a three-dimensional map it's obviously the shortest way so there are great circle flight plans but there's also these great circles that can cut through the earth in different places and where you can it doesn't have to be like through the equators or the poles but any line that can basically bisect the earth into two equal halves so are there like infinite number of these or i think there could be yeah okay um but whether or not they land in significant places not so much okay but this one happens to be really significant to phantom universe and several of his homies on the internet (laughs) because (laughs) it cuts through a bunch of really significant places the main one that i read about um it passes through easter island or rapa nui um nazca Olente Tambo. I'm not going to say a lot of these right. Paratuari. Um, this lovely place in Algiers. <laughs> and the pyramids of Giza, the Pyramid of Giza. Um, those are the ones that passes through, like, they're perfectly aligned on the circle. Um, there are other ones that are, like, a quarter of a degree off of the circle. So Machu Picchu and Cusco. Um, the Oracle at Siwa. Um... Mohenjo Daro, a bunch of them, Angokar Temple, and then there are some more that pass within one degree. So it it could be filthy with these sites, right? But some of them are a little bit off. Um, the Sumerian city of Ur, um, um, some temples in Cambodia and Thailand. So a lot of ancient sites or um, monoliths, no megaliths. Well, this is different. Um, are just on this great circle, and um, I thought initially that it would have something to do with what they were aligned with, but then it turns out that a lot of these sites aren't necessarily constructions. Some of them are natural formations. Okay. So it's a little bit circumstantial. Right. Nobody built them, so they just happen They're to just also be there. in line. Um, because it can also line up with, um. The source of the mouth of the Amazon River, the dividing line between Upper and Lower Egypt and the mouth of the Tigris and the Euphrates, um, and then the Indus River and the Bay of Bengal, which is near the mouth of the Ganges. So it also passes through a bunch of natural things that were incredibly significant to ancient cultures. Okay. So um, it's not necessarily... Something that we think a bunch of people in different times and places could have come up with because people weren't necessarily involved unless one of them made the earth, which is, you know, maybe. Maybe. Possibly. (laughs) It's out there. (laughs) It's a possibility. And if that person was really into circles... Or, or those people. Seems like a group project. Uh, I feel like it probably was. You know what? If you really think about the creation of Earth as a group project. It makes so much more sense. It's obvious where the shitty person was supposed to do their assignment uh-huh. and just did not. Yep. And then where the really big overachievers just went way too hard. 
Well, and you can tell, like, it was a group of guys for some of it, because, like, Utah and all of the penis spires, that was a guy project <laughs> right there. Get over yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not everything has to be that shape. But apparently it does there. If it works, it works. It does. And now it's Mars. True. I think that's really cool that they film a lot of movies in Utah, but it's always it always makes me laugh that Southern Utah is not Earth. Right. In movies, it is another planet. We've traveled <laughs> off of Earth that's as soon as we go into Moab. it looks. It doesn't <laughs> yes. make sense. It's got to be somewhere else. I mean, to be fair, it doesn't make sense. Like, no. When we got married in Moab, like, doesn't looking make over the cliffside, we're like... This isn't real. No. Like, no, we're like, this was photoshopped. I mean, Our pictures were don't photoshopped. Don't walk off of it, but also, this cannot be no. real. No. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely don't walk off of right. it. Right, no, no. Well, I'm just going to test to see, you know, if the Matrix will save me. Probably not. It won't. It Probably won't. Probably not. Um, so all these things go through it, but the, here's another interesting thing about where the Great Circle connects connects to the golden ratio so the distance between some of these sites in relation to the great circle and to each other is are the same as these ratios okay so like um um it, they equate to the divine proportion so there are a lot of names for this golden ratio divine proportion um lots of different languages have a way to say it or just you know as things are colloquialized somebody says it this way and that's the way it is forever um but they all basically mean the same thing and the relationships equate to these accurate expressions of the section of the the divine proportion so it seems like even though no one could have made all of them all of these different sites are built at different times in history and by different peoples who um, we have no evidence could have ever spoken to each other or met. Right. They're still on this circle existing in these proportions away from each other. Oh. So it's kind of wonky. It really is. Um, not all of them are aligned with something that feels intentional. You know how like Stonehenge is aligned with the... I think it's the sunrise and sunsets of equinoxes. Yeah. So that when the sun comes up, it lines up perfectly with not only the stone structure, but the there's names for them, like the dents dug into the ground. Uh-huh. Um, some things are lined up with that, but I read this article, um, an analysis of the alignment of archaeological sites by Mark Carlotto that was... Published in the Creative Commons, I think. No, Journal of Scientific Exploration. And they did an analysis of over 200 of these sites to find out what they were aligned with. And they came in with some um, some assumptions about what they might be. And he has this quick paragraph that I'll read that kind of sums up what they're from. So across all eight geographic regions, 19% of the sites considered are aligned to the cardinal direction, so north, south, east, west, 9% to solstices, 15 to lunar standstill, 5% to the geometric pull at the time of construction, 5% to other sites, 4% to zenith passages, and 1% to stars. So about 42% of the sites, 95 out of 224, are anomalous and that they cannot be explained. 
by any of our alignment hypotheses. Some of these sites may have been aligned for other reasons, um, e.g. the alignment of the Parthenon to the sunrise on Athena's birthday, which is like just an example of maybe this, this, and this together made it make sense for them. Yeah. Um, or um, just to look nice in the landscape and to go along with the topography. Maybe they pointed toward another sacred site or temple or or city or something that was important to those people, or they just were built. So of all these different places, 224 sites, almost half of them were just built because that's the way people built them. Okay. And I thought that was so fascinating. Yeah. And I don't know why, because my dad, my dad's a mason. He built right. buildings for a living. Um, and I feel like um, masons are really related to a lot of these things. Like their stone structures are what relate this ancient temple to this ancient temple across the world. Right. Yeah. But I never once heard my dad be like, well, if we build it right here like this, then it will align with Sirius when he rises in, I don't know, astrological words. Uh-huh. It never, <laughs> I mean, crazy. He's <laughs> <laughs> worked on um, one of the temples for the LDS church. Yeah. And those always face east. east. They always face east. Um, and I feel like cardinal directions are probably the easiest ones. I, that like, would make sense. Like, it to face this direction or whatever. I feel like when you, like, think about, like, real estate and buying a new house, you think about, okay, is this facing Which east? Which side is my patio the sunrise? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't, um, I don't, I don't think, like, elementary schools or um, even most churches, they, they don't really consider things like that. And they certainly don't consider the phases of the moon. No. I imagine there are some... Um, culturally, sig- culturally or religiously significant buildings um, throughout the world that that they still appeal to those sensibilities and make attempts in those directions. But I just think we have this idea of ancient societies as being so um, just cerebral and and intelligent, or or even uh, in a pagan mysticism kind of way, yeah. connected to the earth and the stars. Um, but they're just people. So sometimes they are, and sometimes they're just building a building. They're just building shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought it was just really interesting. Half of the time, sure, we care. The rest of the time, we want it to be inside instead of outside. (laughs) Makes sense. really as far as we thought through it. (laughs) Or we made something really beautiful, and we wanted the front door to open so it wouldn't get flooded. You know? Like, it wasn't that complicated. Right. It wasn't that deep. Yeah. And... And it was like, oh, well, geez, ancient civilizations. Way to stand me up like that. Exactly. <laughs> I thought you were something else. Turns out you're just regular. Catfishing me right now. Exactly. Catfishing me. <laughs> it was just surprising to me because um, coincidentally, sometimes things align like that. And we can assume later on, oh, they did it for this reason. And it was so sacred and meaningful when it might turn out to have been just a normal day. It was convenient. Yes. Yeah. That's just how it happened. Yeah. And it's not that dramatic. I like the trauma. Yeah. It's kind of, it's nice to think about. It is. I wonder if people will think we're dramatic when they look back on life now. Like, if they'll be like, oh, you know, streets in Utah go north to south, east, east to west. There must be something significant about this. You know what blows my mind? 
the people are always talking about how the streets in Salt Lake are just a testament to what a great prophet Brigham Young was. <laughs> Have you ever been to a city where streets didn't try to be in squares? Yeah. I think in old, old cities or older parts of cities, it gets a little wobbly because it follows a river. Right. Uh, but most of the time, things are in blocks. It's how it usually goes. <laughs> Isn't it Madrid? I think it's Madrid that I've seen a picture of where it's like perfect squares. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, we did. The Mormons the did Mormons. not invent going around the block. Sorry. Spoiler <laughs> alert. I feel like <laughs> that's important for us to know. Yeah, if we take one lesson out of today, take that lesson away. Yes, that's that's simply not the case. No. <laughs> but, you know, good job, Brigham, for, you know... Yeah. Piling onto someone else's idea, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Sure, why It was not? a good idea. You chose it. But it wasn't your idea. And, you know, there weren't roads, and now there were. And that's also beautiful. Yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah. I mean, that's about all I'm going to thank you for, but thank you for that. I don't think he made any of them himself. Probably not. But he was there. And I guess that earns some credit. (laughs) (laughs) It happened for sure. (laughs) Wouldn't it be crazy if, like, Brigham's secretary was like, you know what would make this a lot easier? And then Brigham was like, I have a brilliant idea. This is my idea. And it's actually Charles's idea, and we're never going to give him credit. We'll never give him credit. Or what if it's Amy's idea? And of course we can't give Amy credit. Bless her heart, Amy. Yeah. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Amy. We appreciate your work. Your sacrifice. Yes. Sorry you didn't get your name on it. That's a real shame. It truly is. So that's the stuff I know about the Great Circle. I like it. Um, I did find out... A um, couple of cool things about different ancient megaliths. Oh, I, I want to know that I would love to like. I, just, I was just like, now I need to dig way more into Ooh, this. Are we gonna? Are we gonna do a whole like megalith episode? That would be fun to do. That would be so fun. I think to that do. would be way fun because there is a vast Wikipedia on Rapid Nui. I would believe it. It it just feels deep. Here's the thing. We might end up cutting this out. That's okay. When we were um, in England and we visited some of the stone circles, um, there are great big ones that you can go up to and touch that mm-hmm. aren't Stonehenge. And in some of the nooks and crannies, we found these little things that looked almost like a like a fancy beaded um, keychain, but without a little loop on them. Okay. And um, they looked... Gosh, I couldn't really pinpoint it because it's in my, it's like just a memory now from a few years ago rather than something I just saw. But they, um, they reminded me of something I just saw in New York in Chinatown. And so I bought a couple of them and I don't know what they mean, but they were left in these little nooks and crannies in these stone circles. And as we were being taught about the stone circles, they told us about how um, they had like healing powers. And if you touched them, and thought good thoughts that good things might happen to you. And then we found these little things, or like a little, it almost looked like a like a coin, but it had a shape cut out of it. Okay. Like they were just, and in my mind, to me, they felt like wishes. I love that. Like someone had come and left like a good thought yeah. in this place. And we saw them and then, you know, left them there and hoped that they got their wish. Yeah. So I bought a couple of them when we were in Chinatown. Oh. So now I have to figure out what they are so that when we go places, maybe I can leave a wish. 
I love that idea. And if that sounds, if someone hears this and is like, that's the most disrespectful bullshit I've ever heard about a thing that's really special to me. call it out. I'm very sorry. (laughs) And I am going to look it up and do my own work to make sure that I educate myself on what it is. But at this, at this moment in time, I think it's a really beautiful piece of hope. And I'd like to leave some of my own in places and hope that good things come to me too. Yeah. So, just those places do feel like magical. They do. They're like there are like magic places on Earth. Like mm-hmm. I fully believe like there are places that instill that feeling in you. Like for me, yeah. it's like the redwoods. When you step inside the redwoods and you just see these gigantic trees just above you, these ancient trees that have been here for longer than anybody, just standing above you, anybody, <laughs> and they're just like enveloping you in this, in this like. It's like this weird, like, dark, but light, but green, but... And it's quieter? Yes. It just, it softens everything. It's like a cathedral. It is. Because it has the same, like, really tall, arched ceilings. Yes. It feels, that's what it feels like to me, yeah. Like a cathedral. entirely magical. And then the only place that's ever, like, surpassed that for me is um, Canyonlands in Moab. And that's obviously why we got married there is because for mm-hmm. me, that place, like every time we've been there year after year, but every time it's like, it hits me fresh. Just this magic of like, this world is huge. Like, mm-hmm. and there's so much that we don't see or we don't know or that we see from far away. And like, it just continues and goes on and on and on and on. It, yeah. Ah, it takes my breath away every single time. Just the, the, the wonder of it. Like, it makes me feel small. But it also makes me feel like I'm a part of something big and exactly. something great. Exactly. That's how we felt when we were at Stonehenge. Everybody was like, it won't be what you think it's going to be. Disneyland was not what I thought it was going to be. It's magical, but I'm not going to say it's the most magical place on Earth. Stonehenge was everything I wanted it to be. It was massive and quiet and old. I love that. And I, I just, if fairies live anywhere, it is there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, walking up to it just felt like so long ago, someone stood here also. Yeah. And that I can know for sure that someone else that far away thought that this same place was special. And now I'm here feeling the specialness of it. Like, it's like we're touching across time. Yep. Connecting. It's, oh. it's insane. It's and it, you're, it's the same. The world is so big and so small. small. Like you, in the same breath. Exactly. It's magic. You want to hear about some ley lines? I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, ley lines. This connects so perfectly with what you just talked about with like the great circle and how things are lined up in the same like general line. Um, a lot of the places that you were talking about are considered to be what are ley lines. And so we'll kind of talk about that a little bit, but I think what might help is like, what is a ley line? So for me, like conceptually grasping it, it's pretty simple. Like think of today, like around the world, like our roads, our highways, they're Mm -hmm. straight lines. You're trying to get from one place to the other in the quickest, easiest, most straightforward way possible. You're going to go in a straight line. And that's what ley lines are. So it was Alfred Watkins. He came up with it in 1921. He keyed the term. He termed. He said something. He coined. He coined the term. But keyed it also sounds good. Keyed it good. also sounds good. It was not keyed. I like that. I mean, can we key a term now? 
Is there anything that came from the 20s that I'm not obsessed with? <sighs> nope. Maybe the Depression. That's pretty bad. Yeah. But isn't that in the 30s? Was it? We'll look that up later. We'll look that up. Uh, <laughs> I should know history better. School was a long time ago. Wait, wait. It's, yeah, because the First Great War ends in the 19-teens. And then the Roaring Twenties, Great Depression. Great Depression. World War II. Yes. So, so it's in a sandwich in yeah. there. Yeah, it is. So Mr. Watkins, he's running around taking some pictures. He's this British photographer going around Britain, taking pictures of all of these famous landmarks, all of these like different places across the country. And he notices like all of these places, they're in a straight line, like, and they were built at different times. Kind of like you said before, like different times, different people, how in the world they would not have known that these other places were here, that these other places were built. There was just, there was no real logical way that that was going to happen. And so he kept investigating and he kept looking. And that's when he came up with the hypothesis, these ley lines, these These, like, ancient paths that our ancestors of old traveled across, went through to go and build their, like, prominent places, their churches, their forts, everything like that. Um, He believed that, like, prominent features were, like, things that he, these people would build around. So, like, hilltops and barrows and um, mountains. Hilltops were the big ones for him. He's, like, his hypothesis and some of the things that I read. So I read a bunch of different articles on this. Some said that the ley lines either had to begin with a hill or end with a hill. Some things that I read said that it had to be both. A ley line had to have a, like, a prominent hill on one end, a prominent hill on the other end. Otherwise, it wasn't a ley line. Okay. Um, So I don't know which one's real. I found a lot on all of that. So if someone knows that, I would like to know which one's the real one. Um, but couldn't find one definitive way or the other. Um, so ultimately, what he came up with was he was like, these aren't magic. There's nothing magic, mystical about this. This is just, this makes sense. You're going to go in a straight line from one place to another place to another place of importance. You're just going to go in a straight line because it's the most straightforward way. Okay. So nothing like super exciting about it. Ultimately, he kind of got shot down. People are like, ley lines aren't real everything that you're saying is a prominent feature, like the big ones, like Machu Picchu and um, Stonehenge. Like, obviously those are easy. Those are definitive things that you can plot on a line and be like, yeah, these line up straight. But like when you get to like smaller local features, what is considered prominent? Like what makes this mound of dirt more prominent than that mound of dirt? And it just could be like super circumstantial. And so they kind of, the archeologists, the professionals of the time were like, yeah, no, you're kind of full of shit. Like, it's a cool concept. It's a cool idea, but, like, we're not really going to buy into this as, like, a whole professional concept. Okay. So then comes the fun part. Because <laughs> this is where, like, he got rejected. Could have meant the end of all of this, right? Like, it could be, like, ley lines are done. But ley lines were not done. A bunch of people now follow, and they're like, okay, ley lines are magic. This is why people are following these. They're magical. They just have something about it. Like, this is where Earth's energy flows through. This is Earth's veins of just, like, power and energy and mysticism, which I'm like, this is so cool. I love this. Draw people in. Yes. Okay. Like, you can't help but be drawn to this place, and you can't help but, like, be like, okay, I built this, and now, obviously, I'm going to follow this line because I want, I feel this energy, I want this energy, and it's going to go into this next big thing that I'm going to do. Perfect. Yeah. 
that's all I want in life is for the energy to take you to the next Can big the thing I'm going to take do. me, right? I mean, that would make life much simpler. It really would. I, Could it send me a text, maybe? Uh, that would be delightful. <laughs> Just send me a text and say, hey, instead of going to work today, maybe you go to, like, Mexico instead. Oh, I would take that text every day. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'll phone into my boss. I apologize, but I have received a text from the Earth. Earth's energies are telling me that your place of employment is not the place I need to be today. You just don't have the right energy. No. You have the absolute <laughs> wrong energy today. Sorry. <laughs> I feel that every day. I would be calling in every day. Every day. Just I like, would get really confused about what the Earth was trying to tell me. The Earth would be trying to tell me a lot of things, and I'd be like, yeah, sure, but this. <laughs> And then it would just be like, dear Shannon, please calm down. <laughs> just breathe for two seconds. <laughs> nope. Gotta go. Can't. Can't stop. Won't stop. So, 1940s, 1960s. So, back in 21 was when Watkins came up with this ley line concept, kind of died down after he got rejected. But in the 40s and the 60s, through the 60s, this counterculture movement came and, like, latched onto ley lines thought they were, like, the best shit ever, and started to decide that they wanted to promote legitimacy of them. These things are real, they affect us, they impact how we move from one place to another, why we build things the way we do. Um, Which is crazy, because their weed was not even that good then. God, that's true. So, it must have been real energy. It had to be at this point. (laughs) (laughs) So, they believed... That in ancient times, when we were more attuned to things and not attuned to, like, science and technology, that they were attuned to Earth's energies better. And so they actually, like, the ancient sites actually followed these things better. And they said that, okay, we want to go hunt these lands. We want to go find these lands. We want to go figure it out and revitalize this. Um, so groups of ley line hunters emerged in Britain, and they used, like, practices like dowsing, numerology, other things to just kind of find where these elusive lines were hidden. So that's cool. Right? <laughs> I love it. And so they had, like, they even had their own magazine, which is pretty fun. I mean, it's not an exciting name. They called it Lay Hunter Magazine, but still. They I had a it. magazine. If you have a magazine, you're legit. I feel like that has to be the case. You're real, and you can tell your mom about it. Can we have a magazine? I'm, I'm not <laughs> ready to tell my mom. <laughs> <laughs> so ultimately, this group... They're running around. They don't really want archaeologists in on this as a whole, as a group. They're like, nah, like, you guys are all scientific-based. That's what got us in the wrong place in the first place. We're going to do our thing. But some people wanted to be like, okay, let's include some archaeologists. Let's bring them in. Let's legitimize the fact that, like, Earth's energies are concentrated into these lines. Come help us find some proof. Ultimately, like, they didn't find the proof, couldn't come up with it. And so by the 90s, they just broke up. Okay. They were like, well, no legitimacy, can't really do it. And they just sort of fizzled out. Okay. Which makes sense. I get that. It happened to the Spice Girls. I guess it could happen to anybody. That's true. Spice Girls were so strong. Mm -hmm. So they ended up, like, calling it quits. But a lot of esoteric groups, a lot of, like, the pagans in, like, Europe and North America, they still keep it going. Mm-hmm. Um, they still hold that belief that ley lines have powerful, some kind of like powerful magic in them. Okay. And this is where we get to my absolute favorite part, Liz. <laughs> Liz, can I just tell you, <laughs> me and aliens, I love aliens. <laughs> and this is where we get to aliens. So, oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm just so excited about this. So, we've talked about like, 
human interest, right? Humans are interested in ley lines. But they weren't the only ones, according to some theories. Okay. First theory was French author, I think it's Amy Michelle, and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong. It's A-I-M-E-M-I-C-H-E-L. Amy? That feels right. That feels right. So, he was a French author who kind of was, like, roaming around France and noticed all these UFO sightings kept popping up along this same line. He did not make the connection to ley lines, but it was just he started this thing where, like, UFOs sightings just start popping up, and it's it's along these straight lines. So that's where his stuff stopped. And then um, a gentleman called Top. Nope, it is Tony Wed. Mm-hmm. Tony Wed ran with this, and he wrote a book called Skyways and Landmarks, and he outlined his beliefs that ley lines were ancient marking, like ancient marking areas that guided aliens to certain spots on the earth. Ooh. Yes. That makes me think of um, when they put metal inside the road to mm-hmm. eventually guide magnetic cars or like um, electronic cell driving car. cars. Oh, that would be amazing. Like anciently. <laughs> And aliens left something in the earth or the earth reached out to the aliens and was like here is a road for your car well here you go because yeah that was another one of the hypotheses so one of them is like okay here's landmarks they're guiding these aliens in mm-hmm. the other theory that he proposed was actually these ley lines are full of magnetic energy and that's what the ufos are like targeting in on which so like some shit's down there let's go check let's it out let's go check this out and they're drawn to it so Self-driving cars in the ancient historic times, you know? Beautiful. It's pretty cool. Thanks, aliens. I love it. (laughs) Aliens were so ahead of our time. (laughs) (laughs) And so this idea that ley lines are flowing with magnetic power was furthered by this guy named Buck Nelson, who I just, in the little bit that I was able to find about him, I'm just... He's a wild ride. (laughs) (laughs) So he claimed in 1956 to have been abducted by UFOs. He's been abducted. He's been through this experience. He knows his shit. He's seen how they navigate. And lo and behold, they showed him how they navigate the UFOs. It's magnetic fields. They follow these magnetic paths. He's like, yeah, it's absolutely magnetic ley line paths that are these guys are following. Excellent. 100%. Problem solved. Easy. Just go take a ride with the aliens. Have them show you around. Open your eyes, people. Absolutely. It's obvious if you really look at it. <laughs> and that was like that was his main contribution, but this guy, I read a little bit about his life. He's a he's a he's a fun man. <laughs> I hope he's not listening to this. There's a reason oops. the aliens picked him up. There is. He had some stuff. Um, so after that there was another guy who started writing about like aliens coming down and following the ley lines and how those had impact. So John Michelle Um, In 1961, he wrote a book called The Flying Saucer Vision. So he kind of came up with this term called ancient astronauts. This is the aliens came down and landed. Obviously, they followed the magnetic paths, the magnetic ley lines, landed, and visited these ancient civilizations, helped them out. Everything was chill. It was like this symbiotic relationship of like, we came down to Earth and found all this, and now we're going to give you like help. And then as their civilizations grow, as we all inevitably do as humankind, we, you know, grow in technology and get more comfortable and get more... And take credit for other people's work. Yeah, for that. Nice. No. And so... <laughs> it and wasn't aliens. It I knew wasn't it all aliens. Along. So now instead of them sitting here worshipping these aliens being like, you guys are amazing, they're kind of just like, 
heading the opposite way. Okay. And that's when the aliens left us and said, kind of, fuck you guys. We're going home. Yeah. Um, they were like, like Taylor, we're going to go record our stuff ourselves so we can own it. Exactly. <laughs> Tired of you guys taking credit for my work. Not going to happen anymore. And <laughs> they sure did. They gave them the middle finger and flew right away, according to Mr. Michelle. Okay. There's a lot of Michelles. Mm-hmm. Um, so they believe, he believed, that what we needed to do was kind of go back to these, like, ancient sites and kind of go back to our natural roots okay and revitalize these areas and then hey we're gonna get our alien visitors back they're gonna help us everything's gonna be great which maybe that's what we need right now oh that's a good point that could solve a lot of problems we just need to go back to the ley lines we just need the ley lines in our life they're gonna guide us i believe in that (laughs) probably we just i need i need something to hold on to shannon let me have this (laughs) yeah (laughs) I'm, gra- I'm grabbing onto this. I'm not letting go. <laughs> so that's, that's ley lines. That's like a lot of the like theories that I saw on ley lines and found on ley lines. And I just was obsessed with the aliens and the fact that, you know, alien abductions led to, hey, guess what? Magnetic cars. That's awesome. <laughs> I heard about this place. I, I don't remember what it's called. I think it's in like Arizona. A lot of people go there because a lot of, like, uh, there's supposed to be, like, some kind of convergence of ley lines or something. You can charge up your crystals there. But people go there to have, like, really cool existential vision quest type experiences. Maybe it's a good existential. I don't need any more existential crises in my life. (laughs) Please don't do this to me. (laughs) (laughs) They go there to, like, you know, have their minds expanded. I like how those two things go together so well. I do, too. And it was like, I wasn't expecting it when we kind of came up with the two concepts. Like, yeah. I thought they were going to be similar, but I didn't think they were going to be this similar. Yeah, because it, I think it would be really easy to just go ahead and say, well, it makes sense that they're all on the same line because it's a ley line. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Like, I get where what like Watkins was coming from, where he's just like, guys, it's a straight line. It makes sense. Like That's how people duh. do things. Yeah. Makes yeah. I don't get the hilltop thing. I other than if you build a thing on a hilltop, then it won't get flooded. And Maybe. if you build it down between two hills, then it's protected from the wind. You know, just like regular geological things. I guess that makes sense. But um, that also explains why some of these structures weren't built. Like one of the ones that is on the line in the Sahara Desert, the Tassili in Ajir. That sounds right. You're doing beautifully. A-J-J-E-R. Ajir. Ajir. Um, There, it's that, it's really significant, like the most, I think maybe the oldest prehistoric cave art. Really? So it's not something anybody built. It's just evidence of an ancient people recording their lives. Yeah. And I think that it makes sense that you would do that in a place that felt right. I think that would make sense. You know? I like to believe in the energies. Yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, there's obviously people are going to disagree out there. And I mean, ultimately there hasn't been a lot of proof that's been sure garnered around this, but I'm going to sit here and I'm going to hold my own little belief that there's some kind of magic in the world because that, I don't Yeah. Know. I think that it's also perfectly acceptable to think that even if they didn't know why they were going where they went, um, it just felt right. Right. That's and, the magic. And they didn't even consider it. Yeah. They just did the thing because it just seemed appropriate. 
and you know that that's maybe oh a burst of inspiration or just this is where I am so here we go Mm -hmm. but there could have been something more behind it I like to think that life is at least 50 50 you know (laughs) yeah like half of it stuff happens yeah and hopefully you survive it true and the other half you know things come together in in the right time for for a a future purpose yes I'd like to be part of things like that so I want to believe that they happen I don't think there's any harm in believing that right. it happens at least. Like if I'm going to, if like you choose a way to live your life, that's not a bad way to just sit here sure. and think about life. And it's not like, um, I don't necessarily subscribe to the belief that everything happens for a reason. Right. I think sometimes things just happen because people are assholes. That. Or because somebody sacrificed and worked hard. Yeah. You know, like think sometimes things happen because of people. 100%. But then maybe sometimes things do happen when they need to to further a few future purpose yeah or to pay back some kind of cosmic balance i could see it you know yeah, yeah maybe maybe a little bit i don't i don't know what i do know <laughs> is i will never stop being mad then i don't have magical powers 100 percent. i'm so mad about it every time i think about it <laughs> i am hurt Honestly, if I have to live in this neurodivergent brain, why doesn't it give me a superpower? You read all these books with all of these people who have all right. these powers because they're different, and I just get to be weird. I'm just, <laughs> just different, <laughs> just normal, different. Some bullshit. It really is. It really is. It's some straight <laughs> bullshit. I want to do cool things. We're watching the new Wheel of Time show. And um, they, I, I don't know, I haven't, I haven't read the books, but I think what they're saying is Aes Sedai, the magic ladies. Okay. Um, the boys can't have the magic powers because it makes them go crazy, uh, which I think is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but there's this one part, we just watched an episode where they're all just like very powerful magic things happening. And I was like, ah! <laughs> and Seth was like, what? And I was like, I don't have any magic. Why? I'm Why don't so I have mad. any magic? <laughs> like, I'm a good person. I deserve it, like, right? Can I have this one thing? It's not asking too much. I think I would do nice shit with it. Oh, you guaranteed would. <laughs> There's no question. You wouldn't be one of those asshole witches that just, like, ruin people's lives. And even if I was. Like, balanced, exactly. right? Exactly. Yin and yang. Exactly. Some people need mean bullshit in their lives. Definitely do. <laughs> Why can't I be a part of that, too? I would love that. I would I would make my best effort, effort to meet out genuine um, fair judgments. Yes. And then to just do bad things to people who are mean. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. I wouldn't be able to. I would try to be really careful because I would be so stoked to have magic that I wouldn't want to fuck it up. Well, and I feel like I'd be the same person I am now where, like, it devastates me if I think that I said one thing that was, like, (laughs) (laughs) taken the wrong way. (laughs) And I sit and stew over it the whole night. So I can't imagine if I was just like, eh, you fucked up. So here you go take some bullshit in your life and then I'd be like oh fuck no <laughs> what did I do I need to go back and apologize chain reaction <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> how can I judge him for being an asshole yeah. I'm sure I've been an yeah. asshole in the same way that's 100% how that would go <laughs> what, what if we just had magic and were paralyzed 
mm. like with without like just couldn't find a way to use it without feeling bad. Yeah. And so it would be for nothing. Maybe that's why I didn't get it. <sighs> I'm just if somebody does have it for real and it's not me. I'll Could never be so recover. Hurt. Yeah. I'll never recover from that knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that will be the end of me right there. Hurt too deep. Dig <sighs> my grave. I'm going to sit in it for a little while. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just not worth it anymore. Hmm. At least we're lucky enough to get to go and see magic things on the earth, you know, True. to experience. I will take magic. that as a very good second. Mm-hmm. If that's what we get, then that's that's not bad. That's not bad a, at all. That's a pretty good, a pretty good life there. Yeah.